0: Hey, Laurie. And listeners, welcome to the Super Bailey Bros. of Movie Land podcast, where we chat through some current releases, some old ones, and generally try and squeeze in
1: a bit of filmy, magazine y stuff, too. Yes, that's very official. Thank you, Phil. Yeah. What are we doing this week, man? This week, we have gone to see a couple more movies. I've gone to see Boss Baby, The Boss Baby. Alec, Alec Baldwin starring as a tiny little businessman, right? Yeah, a little business baby man. And so I'm going to be reviewing that new animation from DreamWorks. Laurie, you've gone to see Free Fire, I think it is, the new film from Ben Wheatley. Yes. The guy behind rise correct and various other films like kill list and down
0: terrace that's right and i saw city of tiny lights which stars reese ahmed from rogue one if you remember him
1: yeah he, i'm a big fan of him he's a he's a good guy he was in uh night crawler as well with jake Jen hall there you go and yeah. he's also in a an hbo show called the night of he's a very talented actor one to watch
0: that's the one and he is the lead he plays a sort of pi in a neo-noir
1: movie set in london so that's all to look forward to what else are we doing well, we're also going to be doing a bit of a return or a, a revival, a rising from something the ashes, like something like yeah, that. Yeah, what yeah. we've been watching, we're we going to bring it back. Uh, do you not, explain what that is, Phil. What we've been watching is something which we uh, did on the main podcast that we had on Super Baby Bros for a while. And then we thought, oh, actually, maybe we should do a whole separate thing so we can give it a proper amount of time. And then it was a bit too much to do all as a separate podcast. <laughs> and then people were still missing it. So we And we've been missing it. So we brought it back basically... What we do is we talk about the films that aren't in the cinema, classic films, old films, films that you probably have already heard of. But it's our take on it. It's our views on it.
0: Yeah, very good. And we'll do your emails and tweets. Thank you very much for getting in touch. We'll get to that towards the end of the episode. And thank you for tuning in to our rewards last week.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for all those people who sent in different suggestions. It was really fun. I enjoyed listening back to it. I... Uh, I kind of already have ideas pinging off for next year's show yeah nice 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 me too
0: I'm going to try and put all those up on the website as well and I may even cheekily tweet some of the winners of the rewards do it with their reward it would help me out if you could draw a nice award or something Phil
1: what just a really rubbish drawing on a piece of paper a
0: statuette or something no (laughs) we could do that as well in crayon yeah (laughs) that's a idea I I could do that for Uh, sure let's do that just make it digital that's fine and as always listeners you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash superbailybros from as little as two dollars a month or something like that, and that is 50 cents per episode. Uh, every little helps, as Tesco would say. <laughs>
1: are we gonna get a seat for that? No, I mean, maybe we'll really no. need the support. I gave
0: them credit, didn't I? It's not thank real, you yeah.
1: so much to those who are already supporting us, it really means a lot. And uh, yeah, it keeps us running, keeps us, keeps the light on, as they say. Now, we've given a lot of info at the beginning, Phil. Have you, you've got more though? I've got one tiny little thing. I've had this idea for ages and ages and ages, and I want to make sure people hear about it because if I put it at the end of the episode, then maybe, maybe. Basically, I want to run a sort of movie clinic, a sort of agony aunt doctor's session, GP (laughs) clinic for movies. So uh, occasionally we get emails from people who are saying, I don't really understand this film. I don't really get what they were trying to say. We'd love to hear uh, from you if you've got a movie which just doesn't make sense to you. You just don't get what the film was trying to say. You don't get what that scene meant or what that actor was doing in that particular moment. Or it just confuses you. Like, what is this film about? Send it in, send us your kind of gripe with it or confusion, and then me and Laurie are going to try and tackle it like an agony aunt and Mm. try and solve it. The doctors
0: will see you now kind of thing, diagnose the issue.
1: Diagnose film, yeah.
0: We'll come up with a better name, (laughs) (laughs) I hope, uh, in time for next week. But that really is everything. All right, let's get going. Now, Phil, as you're reviewing this film, I have a bone to pick with you. Why? Because the Boss Baby, which we're about to review, has uh, contributed to all the press surrounding Ghost in the Shell and how it's bombed at the box office and how it's a total flop and how it's a failure. And I specifically <laughs> used the phrase last week, I confidently predict it will be a huge hit. And- <laughs> I know.
1: And I said, exactly. Mark, your words. Can we play the clip now no, where I said play it. it? I mean, I've repeated like,
0: it for you. And uh, trust me, I've said exactly what I said. And the thing is, I think people are missing the fact, and the papers love a sensational story, especially around a film that was accused of whitewashing and all that sort of stuff. People want it to fail a little bit. But, you know, why do they release it in Easter when it's got to compete with a baby film when families will go and see it and pay, like, five times what they would normally pay because they're taking all their kids to see something? And, oh, what's the other film? Above Ghost in the Shell on the box office? Oh, yeah, it's Beauty and the Beast by Disney. Like, there's not even the slimmest chance that it was going to be either of those two things. So I feel it's been unjustly dealt. And <laughs> I feel like hand, got... but I was
1: right. I was definitely right. No, I think you've got egg on your face, which is very appropriate seeing as though it's Easter. So... Uh, right. Ba-boom. Right. So The Boss Baby is a new animation from DreamWorks. It stars Alec Baldwin as this... Boss Baby and also has Jimmy Kimmel and Lisa Kudrow and Steve Buscemi as some of the voice talents. It follows uh, Tim, Tim Templeton, who is uh, a young kid. He's loving life. He's got some great parents who played by Jimmy Kimmel and Lisa Kudrow and they love him and they're they're always giving him hugs and kisses and, and playing their little imaginary games with him and all that sort of stuff. He loves his life and they sing to him, oh, it's wonderful, mm-hmm. until duh, 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 a baby arrives, a brand-new baby brother arrives, and there's something off with this baby. He just doesn't get this baby. This baby seems to be ruining his life. He hates this little boy, and he's saying, "This why, why is this baby bossing everyone around? Why is it ruling this house? Mm. Everything this baby needs, everything it wants, it gets. Blah, 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 blah. But then actually what it becomes is, oh, there is something wrong with this baby because this baby wears a suit all the time and he's carrying around a little briefcase and it just so happens that when he catches him off guard, this baby is talking and is, in (laughs) fact, a boss. Mm, It's quite a slim metaphor right there. Let me play a clip. Here it is, a clip with Tim explaining exactly his grievances with the baby and then I'll get into the rest of the plot.
2: We need to talk Uh, about the B-A-B-E-E. Why, Tim? Why? Because he came out of nowhere. We don't even know him. How can we trust him?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, he's just a baby. Big... Look at him. He wears a suit.
2: I know, isn't it cute?
3: He's like a little man. He carries a briefcase. Does no one else think that's, oh, I don't know, a little freaky? Well, you carried Lamb Lamb around until you were like... This is not about lam Lamb. Uh. All babies are different, Tim. Uh.
2: And each one is special. He's Over the whole house! Are you taking over the house? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Trust me, one day you're going to get to know this little guy, and you are going to love him with all of your heart, just like we do.
3: Never.
0: You know, listeners, you need to imagine the kind of uh, elastic-looking animations that go with that with every single movement, lips that kind of go... If you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. So with this plot... It turns out this boss baby who's wearing a little suit is, in fact, uh, a, a manager from Baby Corp, has been sent specifically to this family. Uh, he's in charge of Baby Corp. He's one of the big, big league execs who's been sent to try and sort out a major problem. Puppy Co., the business that uh, this t- this guy's parents work for, are just about to launch a brand new product, the most cute puppy ever right that's going to steal all the love from babies onto puppies Uh huh. and so this boss baby has been sent to try and resolve it and there's a limited window to do it and it's all kind of uh, are they going to be able to do it? are these two people or this tim and his little baby brother boss baby are they going to be able to work together to try and sort out all this problems because, defeat
0: the puppy cuteness
1: defeat the puppy cuteness so that boss baby can go back to his corporate little lovely little corner desk office and Tim can get his life back with just his parents without any memory. Well, so the
0: boss baby would actually leave when this
1: is done. Yeah, so that's the, that's the goal, and that's the aim. Are they going to be able to resolve it, blah, 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 blah. Did this baby arrive in the traditional way? No, this baby arrives with a kind of weirdly bizarre scene where he pulls up in a taxi and then just sort of starts strutting and dancing his way into the house. He says, right. literally, this is a baby that arrived in a taxi. And it's all very bizarre and The parents odd. don't seem bothered by this in the film it doesn't really get mentioned. Right, okay. There's one other thing I need to mention is Tobey Maguire pops up as the narrator for this little Tale. Tobey Maguire. Interesting choice. (laughs) Interesting choice, right? Interesting choice. Spider-Man himself.
0: Mm, I mean, I admit, Phil, and maybe this is just me being bitter about Ghost in the Shell. So far, nothing you've said makes me think I want to watch it.
1: Yeah, I completely agree because I went into this film thinking it was going to be really dire and really just... Schmaltzy. Yeah, exactly. And just a bit of a Blatantly obvious premise that sort of you kind of feel is gonna be played out and all this sort of stuff. And in some in some ways this this is that film, it's very obvious. It's not gonna push any boundaries, it's not gonna really challenge any any ideas or existing tropes. You kind of know exactly where it's gonna head in some senses. And yet I found myself kind of enjoying it. Okay. I'm amazed I am, because I you know that feeling when you're annoyed and uh, on a car journey or something like that when you're a kid and then your parents are like trying to cheer you up but you're so, you're so focused on being annoyed. Yeah, that, I and do. And then you do that kind of <laughs> weird, awkward, sort of angry smile that you do because you're like, I want to be annoyed but you're making me smile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most annoying feeling in the world. That is kind of how I felt watching this movie <laughs> because it, I didn't want to like it. It's not a great idea for a movie. It looks very plain and not inventive in any particular way. And yet I found myself smiling quite often, Can you unexpectedly. put
0: your finger on what that is? I'm going to guess it's not Alec Baldwin's voice talent, which I thought looked like a poor choice.
1: I think Alec Baldwin is probably one of the biggest successes of this movie. Okay, all right. His characterization is surprising. His voice is really perfectly chosen. The script is... Take some odd little choices, and there's a little bit of unexpectedness, and and some of the jokes actually made me ch- smile and chuckle. I can't really remember them, but at the time they did make me smile and laugh. Okay. It was quite weird. I saw this one um, quite late in the evening in the cinema with mostly adults, so it wasn't like a, a kind of a typical audience for this film, I'm guessing. And yet the adults were laughing quite a bit, which kind of made me laugh quite a bit. So okay. maybe it was one of those sort of rebound effects of uh, a, a nice cinema that was enjoying themselves makes you enjoy the film more. There is something quite charming in the production value it's kind of got a 60s 1920s i don't know what time period it is but like kind of the classic <laughs> feel decades out cl- yeah 30 yeah, 40 whatever one you want to pick whatever one you think is nostalgic is going for that <laughs> and there's some really nice music in it which is kind of brassy and warm and yeah 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 heaven, I'm in heaven, like yeah, that sort yeah, of yeah. thing gotcha. and i think that's quite nice so even though they're going for quite a standard well-worn idea they're sort of enjoying it okay i don't think this film is perfect though i have to say and by no means would i say it's a good film i enjoyed it much more than i expected but i don't think this film is a good film the premise is quite obvious there's a baby and there's something odd about this baby and that metaphor of oh there's there's this new baby brother that's ruining my life you can kind of see through that very well
0: that's what i mean yeah it sounds a bit like parents patting themselves on the back a little bit does it feel that
1: way yeah so it's, it's based on a kind of best-selling book and and it's been sort of adapted and extended and added a couple more plot points but essentially it's a kind of kid's story isn't it the boss baby comes in and bosses everyone around the weird thing i found about the film is that the ideas in it aren't really consistent there's no consistency to this world at all because when you first meet the idea of what um tim's parents do the fact that they they're in marketing and they launch products there's a sort of lovely little montage where he shows them sort of Holding big keys as if they're about to launch a rocket, and that's how okay. you launch a pro- product for Puppy Co. And you think, oh, that's because he doesn't really understand his parents' job and things. And then you realise actually, it kind of they're saying that is how you launch a product in a rocket ship, and it's all it it, it sort of uses the idea of a child's perception of well, the it world, makes it real, and then makes it real. Yeah, but only okay. when at, at different times when it seems convenient and things like that. The rules of this world are just very odd and scattergunned on top of that is the whole conceit of uh this this boy not really getting the deal with this baby how old do you think that kid would be to have a little brother and not really understand how this little brother is ruining and taking away all this attention?
0: Well that's a big question Phil. You should be reading Dr. Spock's Guide to <laughs> Parenting, <laughs> parenting yeah. or whatever it is. Are you asking me this because I have a four week old son by the way. Well chance? you do so you're kind of in, in the know a bit. Yeah, well I, don't, I think the answer is I don't know. My daughter seems to really love um, my little son. I think it just varies from child to child basically.
1: But I would maybe this is because I'm ignorant and I don't know about kids and things but this kid is seven years old and he's yeah. confused by another boy in his life and it's like where does this baby come from and why yeah, is he okay. taking you i think he's a little bit too old to be not getting where babies come from
0: i don't know about that i, do, I don't know the answer i haven't read dr spock's guide to, <laughs> to parenting phil so I, I wouldn't be able to tell
1: you but that was one thing which slightly bothered me it just it doesn't seem balanced right and then towards the the later half of the film things go really really bizarre and there's the introduction of an antagonist and a henchman that just don't seem to fit into any sort of the of the reality of the world you've got this this baby that's meant to be a a baby from management from baby corp who's unlike other babies and yet all the other babies seem to be able to talk at different times and then there's also this device with special formula that means that the babies don't forget that they're babies or something like that.
0: yeah well i'm picking i'm picking all this stuff up but does it actually derail the enjoyment of
1: the film do you think ultimately yes i think it does in the sense that it doesn't leave a satisfying end to the story Mm. But having said that, I think the themes and the ideas and the heart of this movie is quite nice. I think the whole dynamic between this older brother and this boss baby and the power dynamic of that and the fact that they don't like each other but they have to work together, I think all those things kind of work well together and it forms a kind of nice atmosphere. So when they go on this sort of heist to try and find something... These two have to work together and they try and infiltrate a building and they dress up the baby like a dog. And there's these little moments that are actually quite nice and I kind of enjoyed them. There we go. What would your grade be? I think it's not a good film, but I enjoyed it. I think I'm going to give it a C+.
0: Okay, C plus, That's much lower than I was expecting, given how much you chuckled.
1: I'm saying that we need to be better, a bit harsher on the grades. Bit harsher, you think so? We've had, we talked it's about. We've this, been in we? business for nearly two years now. It's time to start. Okay. Yeah, right. I feel like it's not a good film, but it
0: doesn't mean it's a bad film. Okay, fair play. I admit my impression of it is largely that let's push a film out in time for the Easter holidays.
1: Yeah, I do think this week is a little bit thin on big releases of films. Yeah. Um, doesn't surprise me that it's going to get some money i think it is a shame i agree with you ghost in the shell i've actually seen that myself i did go see it after your review
0: oh i want to hear your thoughts on that not right now maybe but yeah. i
1: am a little bit saddened the fact that ghost in the shell is going to get pushed out by quite a laissez-faire film
0: yeah a bit mediocre
1: okay any bonuses i've never seen a film which has more risque sort of jokes about babies and bums right was there was, a, there was a, in the intro the the introduction of uh, this baby and why he 's a bit different from the rest of them. It shows this sort of factory where babies are made and how they 're sort of sorted right and uh, involves a a sucker at one point and a machine putting a sucker into all of the baby's mouths and then there's one baby which is not in the right orientation (laughs) okay (laughs) which i thought was a a bit strange gag (laughs) that's a bit of a weird gag to have at the beginning of your movie for for a kid's movie i'm sure that was that was very deliberately done Hmm. thankfully nothing goes in the place that shouldn't (laughs) just just to clarify okay
0: okay thanks phil now,
1: Phil, before we review Free
0: Fire, I'd like you to listen to a quote from the director Ben Wheatley. I say quote, this is more of an audio clip <laughs> in this modern age of technology uh, where he talks about how he got into movie making. But this is shot like nine years ago. So Ben Wheatley got into it apparently through making viral videos, which I wasn't aware of. So here is an interview with Ben Wheatley talking about how he's got started and, and kept improving. Ready?
3: You go. I found com and was really amazed by it and, and the way that it works with it's like a, a message board where you can post stuff to and you get like pictures and stuff and photoshopped images and jokes and that and you get immediate feedback from people it was just like I've never seen anything like, like that before and I'm you know because I'm a, you know a credible um, egotist and just really excited about instant feedback so I just became obsessed by it and just started doing it um, all day long every day and just posting you know thousands of posts of that that really invented me you know okay this basic it 's a very simple rule, I think, and it took me a long time to learn it and it uh, and, and you just, all you have to do is you make work and you put it out there so people can see it, and if it 's any good, then you'll get work, and it just that 's all it is it 's no more than that, and that 's what the web has done. just making a site and just plopping it there and not telling anyone about it is as good as sticking it in a drawer effectively and you need friends basically and that's the that 's the key to all this to um to look at your stuff and they will then send it on to other people and then send it on to other people, if it's any good. Yeah, there you go. Interesting, isn't it? It is interesting.
1: Slightly... Well, yeah, I think we've talked quite a bit about Ben Wheatley off air, haven't we? Yeah, and you've got very strong opinions about him.
0: Well, I don't know about that exactly. I saw High Rise, which is his last cinematic film, and, and I hated it. You definitely had strong. I about that. loathed it, and I'm not alone in that opinion. But I really, really hated it. I just think I just want people to g- contrast that Ben Wheatley from nine years ago uh, with this Ben Wheatley in modern times.
2: These quotes are from a few newspaper interviews, so there's no audio clip to play. Instead, enjoy my dramatic text-to-speech reading. Thank you. Ben Wheatley, in response to his feelings on film critics, says, As a creative person I think you should be making stuff. That's the challenge. Talking about other people's stuff is weird. Why aren't you making stuff? And if you aren't, why should you really have a voice to complain about things until you've walked a mile in someone's shoes? And, Ben Wheatley, in response to reports of audience walkouts during screenings of High Rise, well, I couldn't give AF star star star. What kind of an idiot walks out of a film? I don't think I've ever walked out of a movie. I've always made the movies for me, and I know that sounds arrogant. But I understand that there's an audience that's like me, and I play to that audience. My gamble is that it's big enough to support the film. Here endeth the dramatic reading of Ben Wheatley's words. Glad tidings to all, and to all, a merry day, to you all, always. Text to speech is the shiznit word. Is
0: anything that strange? How's that happened to the guy uh, over the course of ten years? What's happened to him, do you think?
1: Well, I think it's interesting that he's gone from sort of website stuff, which is very much that kind of feedback loop, and you get constant feedback to feature films, and that's just not possible. It's not designed to be that way. Well, I mean, feature- you do have a team around you. You have a team, and you have producers, and you have editors and things like that, but it's really quite a close-knit sort of thing, and then you kind of have to just throw it into the into the big wide open world and see how it fares.
0: Yeah, you see, listeners, I think that's a real portrait of a guy I don't know. I feel like Ben Wheatley is a little bit lost in the world of film. This is a guy who the British film industry really seem to have pinned a lot of their hopes on because he gets funded when a lot of people wouldn't get funded. Or, you know, he's done loads of projects and he's absorbed a lot of British film industry funding of which there is not very much, right? Mm. And, you know, at some point you think, well... How does this guy justify it? And I feel for him because I I feel like he's got a whole big weight of expectation from the British film industry to be this auteur they need him to be, to carry the flag for the British film industry and British talent. And then on the other hand, uh, you've got loads of people who walk out of his films and really don't like what he's doing. So he's kind of caught between people who say, we love what you do. Here's a big check. And people who say, what you do in making films, you don't know how to make films. And somehow in the middle, this guy who clearly is talented right you don't he made himself out of nothing based Mm. on that viral video campaign and he's kind of got lost in this weird world of feedback and so i just think that's an interesting kind of tragedy and hopefully that's also an interesting (laughs) intro to my review of free fire which i saw this week too much phil too much info I think it's a good little precursor to what you're going to say. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, Free Fire, listeners, is fantastically a simple film to describe. This is about a group of people, probably part of the IRA in the 1970s, who head to a warehouse in Boston, Massachusetts, I think, and what they want to do is buy some guns. Killian Murphy is the head of that, and there are some other guys in his Irish team. They meet up with Army Hammer and Brie Larson, who are their fixers and intermediaries, linking them up with people who are gun runners. And the lead gun runner is Shalto Copley. Do you know who that is? He's the guy in District 9, isn't he? Exactly. And probably the most famous South African actor at the moment. Exactly. Brilliant accent he's got. Uh, and he comes along. He's also got Jack Rayner in his team, who plays an American, uh, a couple of other guys as well. And and the basic premise is that along the way, the kind of meeting goes a bit sour. They're all on edge. Everyone's very nervous because there are many lethal weapons lying about with ammunition. So if something goes really badly, people are nervous that the guns might start firing, right? Which they inevitably do in a film of this caliber. The way that it happens, I won't spoil here. I thought it was vaguely mishandled, but we won't spoil it here. Uh, and then the entire rest of the film is that gunfight in the warehouse, the entire rest of it. I think it's about an hour and a half runtime, so it's not that long, but it is a very, very long gunfight in one location. Do we have a clip? We do have a clip. So here are the Irish guys and Army Hammer and Justine coming into the warehouse to some groovy 70s music, and they're spewing out some witty banter, about 90% of which swear words, and we are a family-rated show, so Phil and I are going to have to boop and beep it um, a lot. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize in advance. Uh, here we go. So what would
3: Justine tell you about these people? What do we hear from you, fella? Okay, I appreciate that you're a serious guy, I mean, Britain and all that, but you're on a different level now. The guy who represents this merchandise, his lawn is bigger than your whole Boop. country. As big as your Boop. right then? Tell me, Frank, is it true you people live in houses with mud floors? What? I'm nah, just saying, you know, my ancestors probably ate raw onions and Beep goats, so...
2: Eh, nah. don't do it that advanced. Oh, goddammit!
3: Watch yourself there.
2: Look at this. BOOP It's a real Boo.
3: palace. Hey, beggars can't be choosers, Cinderella.
2: I wonder what kind of factory it was.
3: Well, whenever it meant, many wants it now. Oof. It's cold. I think this is cold, sweetheart. You should try Hollywood and February. He's a Beep-a-brass witch. And we think thing a girl needs to stay warm in Los Angeles is a flexible outlook. I'm not talking about your Hollywood. I'm talking about the real Hollywood. Hollywood County down in Northern Ireland. That's what I like about this business. It can be financially rewarding and you can still learn something new every day. Stick to your ABCs, son. Right. Introductions? Yeah. Come out, come out, wherever you are.
0: Bit wannabe cool, isn't it? It is a bit wannabe cool, Phil. And, you know, I'd like to not say that. The the key thing about Ben Wheatley's movies is that he always works with Amy Jump, who is his wife and a screenwriter as well. This film is directed by Ben Wheatley and is written by Ben Wheatley and Amy Jump. And the first segment of the film where the different parties meet together is talking. It's sort of fast talking. It's sort of tough. It's sort of funny, but it's also none of those things. Does it want to be tarantino The thing is, yeah, you just can't get away from it. There is a guy who does these scenes, and he's Quentin Tarantino, right? Yeah. I mean, people are saying they're drawing parallels with Reservoir Dogs. This is nothing like Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs is like Reservoir Dogs, okay? <laughs> like, I, I just, I wish they hadn't tried so hard, it's how I feel about it, because it's not witty enough. There's a line in there about, oh, I look like I picked a fight with a panda bear. And I think, What? That's, I don't get it. That's not funny. Yeah. There, there are other jokes about just kind of sleazy gags. And when you know that the people writing this stuff are kind of white, middle class, successful filmmakers, you just kind of think, no. <laughs> At least Quentin Tarantino is self acknowledges as a bit of a geek. Do you know what I mean? So he kind of has a little bit more reason yeah. to write that kind of silly dialogue. Not these guys. And for me, it didn't work. So that's that's number one. Uh, the rest of the film is OK, I was delighted to say I didn't hate it. I certainly didn't hate it as much as High Rise. I kind of enjoyed it. There are little moments that are kind of slapstick and kind of fun because as they start shooting, it's obvious that for all the fact that these guys are gun runners and terrorists, they're not that great marksmen. You know, maybe they're great. This is something Ben Wheatley, I heard him say. Maybe they're great on the shooting range, but when they're being shot at and it's not really clear where people are or who's on whose side no one's that great a shot so there's a lot of missing and a lot of bad shooting and hobbling around a lot of the movie is spent with people dragging themselves across the floor um and the basic tension in the film is well who's going to survive the fight what's the twist if there is a twist and that that's all okay it feels like a big game of paintball you're watching other people play because you know it's not real yeah here's the problem i have the characters are poor Really? i just couldn't remember who anyone's name was when they start bleeding i stopped actually being able to recognize them <laughs> oh, distinguish really? them, because the shooting starts quite early on the only guys i could remember are the big names and when you're only recognizing someone because of their star power then it's gone you're not film in a film failed, hasn't it? you know yeah so i recognize army hammer because he's really noticeable <laughs> yeah. i recognize brie larson because she's really obviously <laughs> brie larson killian murphy is like the most distinctive face in the world yeah like it's not it wasn't working on a filmic level it was working on, a, well, let's put all these people together and, and see what happens. Let's try something that's a bit daring, a film that has no scenes, basically, and, and see what happens. And also on top of this, and this isn't something that I normally want from a film, but something Quentin Tarantino really understands is that when you have um, a settled location like that, either the dialogue has got to be pretty spectacular. It's
1: got to be very fiery, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: or the plot has got to contain some kind of ridiculous left turn that you didn't see coming all the violence has to be quite extreme because otherwise you're just stuck with people in a room doing repressive things Amy well, Jumper Ben Willie do not seem to understand that either because none of those three things happens really
1: well that's the thing which I was uh, as you you're describing the plot if it is just literally one big firefight and it's that's it. Surely that loses momentum. Surely that loses all of the urgency after the initial 5-10 minutes. And y- you're not going to be able to fit in any much more dialogue. Or do they? They work is really hard calm... at it. And
0: there's some there's some quite there's some good attempts at dragging it out. For what it's worth, I wasn't bored. My mind wandered at one point, but I wasn't really bored. And a lot of that is owed to the fact that it's only an hour and a half long. And there is a classic fourth wall breaking moment where they acknowledge how self aware they are, which really plays into the picture I have of Ben Wheatley right now, mm. where one. Hammer talks about, um, or maybe it's not him, but someone is talking about losing blood because they've been shot, and they say, "Oh, well, you've got a golden one at an hour and a half. Any longer than that, and you're in trouble." And you think, "Oh, is that p- possibly self-referential about this film? You've right. got a golden one hour and a half." to make your concept work before it gets tedious yeah nice try basically what i thought but you can see now without those three things without the sort of insane insane plot without sort of the extraordinary dialogue or characterization or the violence the extreme violence one of those three things has got to be there to to draw it out and there's nothing that's interesting it, like and you feel
1: like if it if it's going to be like this sort of film, it needs to have that moment It's got to have something
0: that yeah, brings you out of the stupor of it all being the same. And you know, Ben Wheatley is not a guy who shies away from this. He's known for being very violent in his films. So I find it really hard to understand really what was going on here. And I, I feel a little sad about it as well. Something I heard Ben Wheatley say in another interview is he talks about a specific sequence where there's a guy who gets into a car and previously the guy who originally was in the car had put in a John Denver tape uh, into the tape deck so that when the engine starts it plays a John Denver kind of low wattage country song do you know John Denver he did Country Roads oh yeah yeah and then we, he was describing a scene where a guy who's really injured gets in the car and is trying to drive away he was saying oh it's this great moment because you want to know does this guy hate John Denver enough because earlier on the character said he doesn't like John Denver to, to reach over and turn it off or is he more interested in saving himself? Right. And Ben Willey qu- clearly thinks that's a funny little moment. It's like, oh, we all know this. This guy hates John Denver. Is he going to risk, you know, dying to turn off John Denver? What a funny moment. And hearing him say that makes me sad because that did not come across
1: in that at all, scene. Really, no, at all. I just
0: thought, oh, oh, yeah, I guess John Denver would play because it was still in the tape
1: player. It's just <laughs> a matter of fact thing. That was
0: it. And I guess, oh, yeah, it's a funny country song during a deadly shootout. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so look, don't, don't hear me wrong, listeners, because it's not terrible, it's it's better than some people are saying, but it's certainly not great. It's kind of average. Do you respect the ambition of it? Well, yes, I do. And I think what's interesting is the more I've heard Ben Wheatley speak and not written down when he actually speaks, if you hear interviews with him, I feel like this is the guy with talent and with vision, but I think he's just getting tossed to and fro by the industry. And I, I don't feel like he's really landed yet.
1: Because he's not an established enough name to really do things in a big, bold way, but yeah. he's not hes not nothing either. And No, he seems to me like a man money and who stuff. doesn't
0: understand why he's as successful as he's been because he started out on his own and got quick success and now suddenly he's being handed golden handshake deals by the BFI and he doesn't quite know what to do with it, but he knows he's got to do something. That's my feeling. Isn't that... I shouldn't really say that. That's very patronising.
1: I mean, if that's the impression, that's your impression. It and is my impression. It's a shame, really, because you think... Well, does that mean that they've given the golden handshake to the wrong person?
0: But then I'm sure that's what he's thinking. I don't think he is necessarily the wrong person. I just think he hasn't got it right yet. Uh, But a little mini highlight. Sato Copley, I have always liked him as an actor... And I think he showcases here, even in little tiny moments, in a sub, slightly a subpar script and average film, I think he's really good. And he's way better when he's away from his normal director, Neil Blomkamp, who I think is a one-trick pony, basically.
1: What, uh, after District 9? Yeah,
0: Elysium's terrible. Have you seen that film? I've
1: seen bits of it, yeah. It's awful,
0: awful, awful. It's almost unwatchable. <laughs> I thought it was awful. Just rubbish. <laughs> but I really like Charlton Copley in this film. He plays the gunrunner guy who's sort of cocky, but also an idiot. Army Hammer, you and I were just saying we like him.
1: Yeah, I think he's slightly been chewed out by Hollywood, which I don't think is fair. I think he was really good in that uh, Guy Ritchie 60s spy film. What was that called? Oh,
0: that was... Oh, what was it? Um, spy Club. <laughs>
1: what was it called? You <laughs> Henry know I mean? Cavill and... Uh... What was
0: it with Henry Cavill? It's a takeoff of an old classic, isn't it? We'll think of it some other time, Phil. We enjoyed that. And that was Guy Ritchie. What a weird legend. Uh, Brie Larson is just average. It's not her fault, but there's just nothing for her to do.
1: What I want to know, Laurie, before you give a grade, is yes. what would make this film work. It has to have way better dialogue that
0: doesn't just depend on what the writers think is edgy or what the writers think is
1: rude. So, do you think that there's only one voice in this film? I know oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. So the characters, rather than kind of clashing and colliding, much like in a Quentin Tarantino film they're just one voice which is all kind of coalescing yeah and they're trying really hard so yeah. there's
0: one gag which you can see in the trailers where um charlotte talking and two guys who are kind of dumb don't recognize his accent so like what accent is that and it's like is that switzerland or something it's like austrian Oh uh, yeah austrian see now that is an exchange that in other hands would have been funnier but there's something about it that doesn't quite connect and i almost think it might be as simple as the countries that they chose yeah. Switzerland and austria but there's there's something slightly off about that line. You know what I mean?
1: I do know what you mean, but it's hard to put your finger on it. Yeah, okay. So I think the film will
0: get a C from me. Uh, it's there a bit. It's not unenjoyable. It's not great. It wants to be a lot more stylish and clever than it really is. Any bonuses? Uh, not really. I mean, I, the, I kind of front-loaded with the bonuses and Ben Wheatley's past <laughs> and future and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm really curious to know what people think about the movie. In particular, I wonder if anyone can remember the name of the guy who ends up one-on-one with Brie Larson. I was like, who is this guy again? I can not even remember. Is that not a bit of a spoiler? No, I mean, you know, trust me. <laughs> yes, listeners, that jingle means it's time for What Have We Been Watching This Week? What
1: have you been watching this week, Laurie? Well,
0: we're doing we- one film each. I just want to say, don't worry. Just one film each. And they're quick reviews, right, Phil? Quick, 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 quick. But fun. Yeah, quick and fun. What have you been watching this week? Two weeks' notice. Very good. And I've watched, I wish, a
1: lovely Japanese film. Who's going to start, me or you? You. Oh, great. Two weeks'
0: notice.
2: I am so sorry. My aunt is dying and it's, uh, again... Why don't you... Please, continue.
0: Meet Lucy Kelson.
2: Hey, that's my coffee, you jerk! Oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. See, I thought, you, I thought you were needy.
0: She has a law degree from Harvard. You're my brilliant chief counsel who's always honest with me. Well,
2: then, honestly, I think you are the most selfish human being on the planet.
3: Well, that's just silly. Have you met everyone on the planet? And an eccentric billionaire boss. Congratulations on the baby. What baby?
2: Maybe you should check with me what baby
3: who's driving her to the edge
2: hello
3: i just felt like a bit
0: of a chitter chat you are pathetic This holiday season, the only way to get notice.
2: I'm not here to pick out a wife or to pick out your clothes. Oh, sorry.
3: ...is to give notice.
2: Consider this my two weeks' notice.
3: You're serious?
2: Should I stay
0: or should I go?
3: You owe me three more years, or I can stop you working anywhere else. Just this morning, the attorney who was planning to quit reconsidered.
2: What did Mr. Wade call?
3: Mr. Wade never called. When? Maybe an hour ago.
2: Make sure you massage his cloven hoof.
3: Does that something feeling a pain in my...
2: Somebody asked me something.
3: Name all the Supreme Court justices.
2: Thomas, Ginsburg, Scalia, Stevens, Kennedy, Rehnquist, suitor Breyer, O'Connor. Is that right?
3: How should I know? But the hardest thing about leaving.
2: There's some interesting prospects for my replacement. It's gotta be a woman. Oh, what a surprise. It's
3: not a sex thing. We never had sex.
2: Hmm, I you know, to thank you for that.
3: Is letting go.
2: Thank you for the job. You're my role model.
3: From Warner Brothers Pictures comes a comedy about two weeks.
2: George asked me to go to the benefit with him tonight. Oh.
3: Between two people
2: We're not insane
3: or anything, but my friend needs to use a bathroom Give you hundred dollars thousand Too close I Try
2: to be the person that
3: you could be Why don't you go and be the person you're supposed to be? To know what's happening to them Alrighty Alrighty Sandra Bullock, Hugh Grant She's not interested in money or superficial flattery or cheap glamour So, you know, what would I bring to the relationship? <laughs> two weeks notice She looks so peaceful when she's asleep, like a doll. And all with a sinus problem.
1: Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant are playing this sort of weird, odd couple, possibly romance. What's going on? Who knows? Sandra Bullock plays this lawyer and she is working for a big corporate guy, Mr. sort of billionaire Hugh Grant. And she is all about the free love and the Greenpeace and the civil rights stuff. But she's working for this big corporate guy and she's sort of muddling through. He seems to be bumbling and charming and he seems to not really deal with people in the usual sort of way. She's trying to do her job really professionally and he's just sort of more interested in what tie he's going to wear and and sort of is always asking her opinion, which muffin do you prefer? Do you think this one's better yeah. or is this better? And it's kind of a nice and they've got a nice sort of playful banter. But eventually she realized she can't handle it anymore. So she hands in her two weeks notice, hence the title of the film. Yes. And uh, then she starts interviewing in other people to take her job as this lawyer for this big corporate person. This is really quite fun. I quite enjoy it. It's quite silly and light and very fluffy. It's a rom-com, and as I've established on the podcast, they seem to be what much of what I'm consuming these They're days. They're in your diet, aren't they? Being yeah, in diet. a bit too much. I'm getting a bit... Uh, rom com yeah, yeah, unhealthy around the heart. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think it, it really does come down to the chemistry of the, ca- the cast with a rom-com, and Sandra Bullock is a really good sort of romantic lead. She's good at being both... Uh, beautiful and alluring enough that you'd, be, you'd believe that somebody would be interested in her, but also having this sort of dorky, silly quality and
0: she's very smart as well I always think. in all her films she's a very good presence on screen I have to say
1: I really love uh, one scene in particular when she's having a leaving party in the office and there's this guy who's written a, a kind of leaving poem and sort of obviously it's, it's pretty rubbish and pretty basic you've probably been in a couple of offices when they're saying goodbye and anyway it reads off this little card saying with a little rhyme and immediately she responds with her own one which she makes up on the spot oh, yeah. which is better than the one which the guy's written and she finds it funny but but everyone else is a bit like weirded out by yeah, it. Yeah, and it's yeah. just a nice little moment, a well done moment. And also you've got Hugh Grant, who I think is undeniably quite good in this sort of bumbly role. He's He knows his bread and butter and this is him doing his bread and butter right down to the very millimetre. Is that the right? Yeah, that's fine. He's, you know, he's a
0: foppish Brit, isn't he? He's exactly what people want to believe British people are like. And despite the fact that Hugh Grant himself as far as every piece of evidence would suggest, is nothing like this guy. He can certainly play him on screen.
1: He really can, and he has some charm to him. And this film knows what it is. It knows it's a bit schmaltzy. It knows it's a bit kind of cute and nice. And it plays up to that, and has those sort of nice beats, and it has the characters that you'd hope for and expect. And it's got a really nice little bit of use of Nora Jones in there (laughs) Nora Jones which song The Nearness of You oh lovely very romantic
0: lovely singing film nice job
1: yeah so I really like it and I think even though it's not the best film ever it's a good one to put on I recommend it if you're feeling like a bit of a warm cuddle uh, of a movie then this is one to go for I'm going to give it a B minus a B minus there
0: we go I think that's probably fair I enjoy a bit of two weeks notice who doesn't right Shall I do I wish then yeah I
3: wish
2: 俺達じゃ。とりあえず
0: yeah, there we go. what do you think of that film? Well, I'm pretty much touching everything you need to know, doesn't <laughs> it? So what did you think of this film? Well I have to say I love the music. Yeah, obviously listeners, it was in Japanese. Um, basically the sound bites around that are all to do with these two boys who we follow school age boys, young lads, and their parents are divorced. One of them lives lives with his mum and his grandmother, I think it is, grandparents. And the other one lives with his dad, who is kind of a rock star or a wannabe rock star, a guitarist in a band that hasn't quite hit the big time. They live in different parts of the country and they're just kind of dealing with the fact that that's the shape of their family these days. And one of the boys says that he's heard of a folk tale or something along those lines, anyway, either that or he's invented it, it's not totally clear, that when two bullet trains pass each other, at that exact moment, a miracle is possible. If you, oh, make, right. if you make your wish at that exact moment as you see the two trains pass each other on the parallel tracks, then you'll get your wish. And there's a new Shinkansen line that's been built and they hatch a plan together and with their friends as well that they will skip school for the day without telling their parents where they're going. They'll get to this point where they can see the two trains cross each other for the first time, I think it is, and then they'll make their wish. And obviously the two brothers, what's their wish? But that maybe their family would get back together again and they can be a four-person family.
1: Already, isn't that a beautiful little story film? It's a very nice set of setup, yeah.
0: The key thing with this film that you've got to understand is... Is uh, It's an indie piece of filmmaking. Uh, it's from a filmmaker who, in the trailer at least, they call him a master filmmaker. Hirokazu Koreda, Film that's how I think you pronounce it. Uh, he's done a lot of other films that I haven't seen. I think he's a big name in Japan. But it is so beautiful. It's so simply filmed. A lot of still camera work. A lot of beautiful camera work that captures everyday stuff that makes it seem Fascinating. Do you know what I mean by that? So whether it's a shot of a train station or a shot of a school corridor, it just makes you think, oh, there's a beauty to this that I had never
1: seen before. And is that because you are a Westerner watching... Japanese. No, no, no. I don't
0: think it's anything to do with that. I really don't. I think it's all to do with the composition of the frame and the choice of shot for each little moment. It, I think it's a brilliant, subtle use of the camera. There's one particular shot towards the end of the film, which is a very high crane shot of the steps leading up to a train station. And you see the kids run up and down it and they're just tiny. Tiny figures, and it's just a beautiful shot. It's so beautifully composed, and then it's beautifully written as well. There's something about the characters in this movie that rings so true to what it is actually like to be that young because kids are not idiots. Mm. Kids have real hopes and dreams and ideas and problems, and they see what's going on in these kinds of situations. They understand what is happening to their parents. They don't know what it's like to be their parents, but they understand what's happening. And so they kind of, the plan that they hatch, you can completely understand children hatching that kind of plan and thinking, well, what can I do? And then maybe then this is what they do. So I think it's a really charming story. I think it's brilliantly well written. I think it's very well acted and we gain a little bit not being Japanese speakers. Do you know that always aids the performance because you don't know how well it's been performed? Yeah, exactly. So i absolutely loved it and in in particular something i really loved was it feels like there's the japanese version of badly drawn boy and his soundtrack to (laughs) about a boy in this film because there's a guy called kuruli uh kuruli that's q-u-r-u-l-i and they've written music specifically for the film and there's a particular guitar motif towards the end which i just loved uh it's so beautiful i'm playing it under this little bit of chit chat here so you can hear it and yeah, I think you can see why I found it so moving. So, I wish comes highly, highly, highly recommended. It. It's an A. Wow. It's slow. It's an indie film. It won't be to everyone's taste, but it really is brilliant if you give it a chance. Do you think it is accessible? Yeah, I do. It's so simple. It's a. It's a. I mean, I hope, as I've been explaining it to you, reasonably okay. I hope that even you're thinking, yeah, I can understand that. I can understand the the plot and the characters and the idea.
1: Sounds good, man. I'm intrigued. I definitely want to watch it.
0: Yeah, it's it's really good. So that's it then, right? That's what we've been watching. Short and brief, yeah. Listeners, hope you enjoyed that. It's back! Hooray! And this means we can do uh, more of your suggestions. We've already got some stacked up if we can find them again. Uh, And just tell us whether you've seen the films that we've seen and ask us if there's any you want us to have a look at.
1: Email us in, superbabybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbabybros. Thanks, guys.
0: (laughs) Phil, you lived in London for a while.
1: Yeah, a little bit, yeah. You lived in
0: inner London, inner city London. Yeah. Was it like a neo noir town? Were you constantly <laughs> like seeing ladies of the night, and were you smoking and wearing flat cups and be like, "Yeah, see you later, man." I
1: did actually. Um, this is a bit awkward story. I don't know if I should tell it. I did see. this, no, this sounds bad now. But I walked across the Lady of the Night and uh, walked she... Walked
0: across you mean walk past.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like <laughs> okay. I was trying to make it <laughs> emphasise that I didn't I didn't want to say I saw a lady of the yeah, night. I understand. <laughs> anyway I understand. And I was just she asked me if I was uh, no, really? like, looking for anything oh, and I was like No, 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 thank you. And they just kinda of walked <laughs> on. No, no thanks, no thanks. Oh, bye bye, yeah. bye then. Good luck. <laughs> Oh no! It was yeah. So I'm not big city man. I'm not. I was out of my depth, basically.
0: Well, well, you know, in an awkward sort of way, Phil, you have slightly validated uh, "City of Tiny Lights," the film that I'm about to review, which paints London as a new neo noir crime capital, replete with sort of. A greasy, world-weary PIs who are just doing the best they can and make a living, yeah? You know what I mean, mm. man? Yeah, and you've you got to know the connections behind the, the ladies of the night because they know what the feds don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, my brother, yeah, yeah. I've got to put this voice away. Um, <clears throat> so Riz Ahmed stars as Tommy Akhtar, who is a PI who maybe he had dreams or something when he was at school, but various different things happened and this is the life that he's ended up living. And he knows probably rather too much more than he would like to know about the inhabitants of his borough. And people come to him asking about, I don't know, their wives cheating on them or what are these guys up to, what happened to this person, all that kind of stuff. And it's his day-to-day daily grind. In this film, City of Tiny Lights, he is asked by a lady of the night, Melody is her name, To try and find her flatmate, who is also in that line of work and has gone missing recently. She hasn't seen her for ages and ages. So she hires this PI to go and find her because he's good at what he does. And when he gets to the place where she's gone missing, he finds someone who's dead. And then quickly, he becomes embroiled in a tangled web of American special forces of potential terrorist cells within London hidden in London's sort of subculture network um, old friends who may or may not be what they seem even an old romance Phil comes out of the woodwork so suddenly he's plunged into this world tries to figure it out and he's got to do it all before he becomes the next target or gets classic swallowed up in a net of lies I mean that's classic neo-noir right? yeah okay so let's hear a clip this is Riz Ahmed as Tommy Akhtar and he's basically describing what I've just described here you go
1: Oh, Yo, alright. Um, Tony goes. Ah, and... safe. So... People got a lot of names for someone like me.
3: And the way I see it, I deal in the lies people tell and the truths they don't. I deal in secrets
0: i dig them up or i bury them forever
1: <laughs> i've been doing that for at least half my life
0: yeah there you go Bodie rook um is obviously not as cheerful as he was in reg one poor Bodie. Mm. you quite liked him in Rogue
1: One didn't you and you're a fan of Riz Ahmed in general I thought he was the best part of Rogue One by a clear mile he was the only character that I really cared about and I'm basically when he's attached Riz Ahmed I'm like oh maybe this will be good I think Mm. he's a talented actor one to watch definitely
0: I agree with you on that one and that is true in this film as well it's directed by Pete Travis and he's done surprisingly big films actually he did Vantage Point have you come across that? That rings a bell yep and he also did Dread which is the film adaptation, the most recent film Carl adaptation Urban. of Judge Stredd. Yeah, exactly, with Carl Urban. I'm interested, wow. So I thought he was kind of a no-name, but he really isn't a no-name. He's got some credibility. Uh, and it's based on a novel and a screenplay written by Patrick Neat. So Patrick Neat has adapted his own screenplay. Right. The whole thing is super British. And actually, that is the best thing about City of Tiny Light, straight away. I wrote a text review for this, listen, so sorry if my phrasing sounds a bit odd. It's because every now and again, a sentence from my review <laughs> just comes into my head, fully formed. <laughs> So I, I'm about to say, for example, uh, the film shows a great um, determination to stay within its own postcode. <laughs> to line that, right? But it's really true. That's one of the things I love the most about it. This is a film that doesn't need to bring in massive external factors. It doesn't, go, it doesn't need to leave London to go and meet someone. It's, it's a film that just sits in its own little tiny borough. But hang on a second. You just said there's like American like forces and terrorist sales. They come there. So he never leaves anywhere. Other people are interested in the borough. Sure. But it doesn't leave it. It's really it's got a really strong community vibe. And I think that means it just brings out the character of real London in a slightly melodramatic way for sure. But it brings it out really nicely. So I really did kind of find myself thinking, oh, yeah, I bet there are those sort of like crossing over lines of loyalty and cultural expression and stuff that create tensions just in this tiny little neighbourhood. And I bet there are people with histories like that and ambitions like that. I thought it was quite a believable thing and it made me reappraise London as a setting for a neo-noir drama. Modern day London, that is.
1: I think thing is, I always feel like London wants to be cooler and more interesting and more like, gritty than it is. Well, this is how you should watch the film, because it doesn't... Che- it's not cheesy. The is way
0: it not? It no, I didn't find it cheesy. The stuff that's cheesy is the story itself. But in terms of the setting, I found it really believable. Okay. So I got a big kudos to uh, City of Tiny Lights for doing that, and Patrick Neat. It... it It maintained its integrity while trying to do something a bit over the top. The less good parts of the film are sort of everything else. Um, Riz Ahmed is good. He's charismatic. He works as a front man. I believed him. His monologues are okay. The problem is the story is just bad. Either it's completely predictable, like within minutes, you know what's going to happen, or it's just bad, badly written. There's some particularly poor flashback sequences where you're supposed to see some kind of hidden, buried, pain and secrets between certain characters and it's kind of laughable what oh really the, yeah it, basically it's just silly it's like um an episode of grange hill or something and i just don't understand why they let it sit the way that it is and
1: do you think that maybe is because it is in a british packaging
0: I don't... Honestly, Phil, I don't really know what
1: the reason is. And would you maybe take it more seriously if it was with an American accent? No. You know, last week we talked about how we're not a massive fan of British accents and it kind of... Yeah, no, 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 no. Actually,
0: that didn't bother me at all because they're very regional accents. They're not sort of Queen's English. It just is a bad story. I think anyone who watches this film will agree with me. Apart from Tommy Akhtar, the character, and his mate Avid, who I really liked. Tommy's dad is played by Roshan Seth. He's a dad who came over from Pakistan, I think, and loves cricket. And a lot of the way he talks is cricket metaphors. And his relationship with Riz Ahmed, his son, is, is really good as well. And th- those are all the big strengths of the film. The characterization's is good, but, but what's underlying it is just not good enough. And that's especially clear when Billy Piper turns up. Uh, Billy. <laughs> what is it? Because we want to. Because we want to. I respect the fact that she's doing other things, but I'm afraid. She I was can... in Doctor Who, man. She's very popular. It doesn't there. matter. I can never not think of her as that. What was the other one she did? Uh, birds and the beads. Oh, that's right. me. Yeah, that's right. She actually does a very admirable job with this. I think she's got talent. She works really hard, and she, I, I I thought she. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler, listeners. It's kind of obvious, but she and Riz Ahmed are meant to be a sort of couple in this. And I thought, to begin with, I thought, whoa, there's no obvious chemistry there because Riz Ahmed is quite a lot shorter, and they they just don't seem. There's not obvious chemistry, put it that way. But actually, the more I saw them in scenes together. The, the more I believed there could be chemistry there because they're just both good actors. The problem is her character is one of the worst like kind of stock
1: characters you'll ever find. Well, that's the the challenge about noir films is that there are very clear staples and ideas. Yeah, and that's right. Conventions. And actually most of the time what you need to do in, in order to have a kind of surprising noir is really stick with the lines and the rules of the convention and of the genre yeah, and and then immediately break it in a very particular area.
0: Yeah, that's a a really good insight, Phil. And you need to really play up to the roles as well and make them super melodramatic and very sort of vivacious if they need to be or super hard-boiled if they need to be. Do you know what I mean? This film tries too hard... To be modern and contemporary. And try
1: and disguise the convention A little bit.
0: Like, so there's no femme fatale, there's not really a damsel in distress. It's just, it doesn't really, it didn't really work. The story was poor. And ultimately, listeners, that's what defeated the film for me because I just rolled my eyes too often. It really is a shame because, like I said, the setting and the way that it sets up the actual mini culture of this borough is brilliant but I wish it could have been better. So there is, really a, have a, long there lot is say, a desire actually.
1: for this sort of film to work, but it just doesn't work in this format.
0: It's just not that the things aren't quite right. I think the stuff that was good is the cinematography. is pretty good going. I showed you a little clip there, Phil. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it does make London look better than it does.
0: Well, my key thing was I was surprised that I thought, oh, it reminds me a bit of some of the wide shots of L.A., and I'm not at all surprised. The cinematographer is this guy, Felix uh, Wiedemann or Wiedemann, I'm not surprised they want to link in L.A. because that is a classic neo-noir place. So, yeah, London looks legitimate. The film is not. Is that a line from your review? No, it wasn't. It didn't sound like one. uh, No, I think I said something like, uh, oh, it's really striking parallels with L.A. But unfortunately, the similarities end there.
1: Oh, 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 what's the grade?
0: So probably it gets a C minus for me. It's pretty average stuff. Lots of those films are not getting much. more. <laughs> well, it's your fault. <laughs>
1: you said we were going to give more realistic grades today.
0: Well, just,
1: I don't know. I think, <laughs> yeah.
0: Riz Ahmed is really good in it. And like I say, Billy Piper's good. No one else really stood out to me. I'd be really curious to know what listeners think, especially listeners who do live in London. I'd like to know whether you agree with me that London comes across as quite honest, but also interesting in the film.
1: It's slightly sad that you don't really see many like really nice romantic comedies in London. What you mean like Notting Hill? But that's not really about London, I don't think. It's called Notting Hill. <laughs>
0: like,
1: <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. It? But apart from Richard Curtis films, yeah, that's true. There's yeah. not really like New York's got loads of like New York is like ah uh, New York, and looks Paris great is on like camera. city of love and LA. You know, I, got I La don't La think La London Land.
0: looks that good on camera. Film Notting Hill doesn't have much London in it.
1: We're too busy being trying to be gritty. We should try and be nice and pretty and nice. Well, you make that film and tell us how it goes. All right. All right, I will
0: wise cool totally not a doofus because he supports us on patreon he's kufushus. okay let's do some emails and tweets phil we missed that out last week emails emails and that was just in case you're wondering listeners because we did the rewards and just another plug for that if you haven't listened to last week's episode yet do check out our silly awards show for last year's movies
1: yeah it's in the back end so where emails would be there it is yes
0: Okay, number one, we got a tweet from Angeline. You ready for this, Phil?
1: Oh, no. Here we go.
0: Angeline says, at Super Baby Bros, minus all the points from Phil for being such a misery guts about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> to be Boo. fair. To be fair, I probably have
1: already <laughs> odd negatives, so yeah,
0: there you go. Poor no Phil. He says, P.S., nice to have you back. Congrats, Laurie. She's probably saying, nice to have me back. <laughs> based on that previous I'm comment. sorry,
1: i am just giving you my honest opinion. And as I said, I realised that I'm not a normal person. That's why I gave the normal I think person that's, grade. I don't think you should be saying that, because you are a normal person. You just have a different opinion about the film. but I, You're certainly I, not a special person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super special. No, I think the thing is, is I realised that for lots of people, it, they're not that fussed about the context of the film. I think they just want to enjoy a good time at the cinema. And I think the Be- beauty and the beast does give that. Yeah, fair enough. And well, listeners, you've heard us talk ad
0: nauseam about beauty and the beast we went on for a long time last week as well. Didn't we? So moving on, Alistair got in touch at super belly, bro. Saw fabtastic beasts as opposed to fantastic beasts and where to find them. I guess last night as my wife loves Harry Potter, but thought it was poor, not Potter at all. And Redmain, crap. Can we say that word on a family show? Pop. Yeah, exactly. I don't Sorry, Alistair, for laming that up there, which is not totally sure why Jeans counts as. Anyway. You know what, Alistair? I watched Fantastic Beasts with my wife only a couple of nights ago, and I remember watching it. Uh, did we watch it together, Phil, or was it just me? No, you watched it and you told me how good it was. Well, at the cinema in particular in Leicester Square, with an absolutely packed house full of probably Harry Potter fans, it was quite good fun, but I. Watching it at home with Jude, you sort of need that cinema to laugh for you because I did think it was a bit boring on average, I have to admit, on a rewatch. Really? A little bit. Not awful, but
1: and Eddie Redmayne I still quite like, and the
0: things I liked about it are still there. Just the impact was much less when you've seen it before.
1: Maybe it's just the fact that you've, you know where it's going, you know where it's going to head. Well, exactly,
0: Phil, and this actually made me think, I'm going to put it in right here, we should do a new mini feature on the show and give stuff a rewatch score. Because I think that's important stuff to know about. Like you and I go and see stuff at the cinema, when we watch it again at home, I think we should give it a rewatching watching
1: score. What, and slip it in on what we were watching and say... Something
0: like that. And maybe just say whether this affects our previous review of the film and whether we've now thought twice about it or whether it's just a film that you can only
1: enjoy once. It is disappointing when you think you really like a film and then you watch it again and you think, Did oh, I love this? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. So sorry you and your wife did not enjoy that, Alistair. A few
0: tweets from Nicholas at SuperBelly Bros. Tough return last week with mainly negative reviews. Crying face. But maybe hashtag George Lucas and hashtag Ewan McGregor are just hard to please. Uh, so, or was it hashtag George Clooney? Yes, it was George Clooney. George Lucas would be great on a podcast,
1: though. I'm, <laughs> just, I'm just taking a horrible, mean impression. Sorry.
0: Uh, he also says maybe next guest hashtag Kermode and Mayo seems unlikely. I don't want Mark Mode on this podcast. Why not? He's got his own podcast stick to your own podcast stick to your own i don't think they're clamoring to you know join us somehow phil we had an email from confucius stop ro- what are you playing with there phil <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. sorry <laughs> you're making a noise uh kufusha got in touch with a giant capital letters heading that says plus one to phil
1: hooray i'm back yeah. to neutral well
0: and get a load of what it's for <laughs> dear super bailey bros i sure am happy that you're back man ewan and george really have no clue how to host the Super Baby Bros <laughs> podcast. They are hopeless. Not to mention the whole identity issues they had. That's very crazy. That is
1: very mean. <laughs> they, The actors, they're always playing different people, so they exactly. don't know who they are.
0: Come on. I'm sure they forget on set all the time. They
1: were playing the roles of Laurie and Phil, weren't and they? And challenging roles as well.
0: Phil, I really, really do feel your pain with all the plus ones to Laurie, but hey, here comes a big one for you. Totally... I mean, totally, 120%, not 200%. Interesting. <laughs> agree with you, that all that you said about the live action Beauty and the Beast. So plus one to Phil or plus two if it's possible, not possible. I'm going to take plus two. You can't. I need it, man. No, nope. so
1: far behind. Literally just had all my points taken away. I'm That's like, true. Minus all the points. i have literally on two now.
0: She's only able, Andrin is only able to give you a minus one though. So worry not. It's also quite disappointing with the live action that Gaston doesn't do a live demonstration of swallowing five dozen eggs. Oh yeah, and no spitting of the leather belt. I know, I was really missing that. He does do a spit though, it's just mm-hmm. not kind of mm-hmm. the same, expectorating. Uh, singing wise, oh dear, you guys said it all. I wonder if they just used the original songs and matched it, would it be better?
1: Oh no, I think that caused more outrage. I think you're right, yeah. It would have made it even more obvious that there was no point. Having said that, I do think, why not just have somebody else doing them singing? We discussed this, haven't we? That's how they used to do it. Yeah, just, you know, singing the rain it. I don't know.
0: I think people like to think that their heroes are singing it. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people when I've said I don't like Taylor Swift... The instant reply is weird, but she writes all her own songs.
1: Um, yeah, well, they're rubbish songs. So well don't, don't anger Swift fans, man. That's a I mean... dangerous. She's a popular lady.
0: All I mean is that people like authenticity. And if they feel like it's really Emma Watson singing, then, I, you know, that's a big feather in Disney's cap, except she sounded terrible. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think uh, Emma Watson was great uh, either. I could tell she was also tuned. Uh, so was Dan Stevens. So it wasn't just Emma Watson. Everyone was. In fact, the best singer and I thought the best performer overall was Luke Evans. His singing as Gaston was pretty good. I thought Fou was better. He was good as Gosh well. Gad. Okay, carrying on. I uh, sure am super-duper-uber relieved to find out that Emma Watson and Miles Teller were favourites for La La Land, but were deemed too demanding.
1: Cannot imagine what kind of damage Emma Watson might have caused. I kind of can't really imagine the movie. Emma Stone, well, she won an Oscar, didn't she? Yeah. She was fantastic. And I can't imagine Emma Watson... Emma, what's that? I can get all confused with the Emmas, but I can't imagine the Harry Potter one not too. <laughs> <laughs> it's in, I mean we heard this story a while ago Confucius yeah and we thought a lot
0: about it I guess one thing I would say is that Emma Watson in the perks of being a wallflower in particular she's
1: fantastic yeah
0: she's really good in that and what was the other one that she was in um, about the teenage girls who stole stuff in Hollywood bling ring yeah she's quite good in that as well and weirdly when Emma Watson is doing the American thing and is slightly freed from her Hermione image I think she can be pretty good but I, I'm sure Disney wanted her to be as Emma watson as possible in this which is a bit of a shame really I agree so I guess we'll never know Miles Teller is terrific and it just would have been a different film
1: but I can't imagine Miles Teller having the charm or the kind of leading man quality of Ryan Gosling but
0: then it might have just made it a different film it might have made it more edgy that's what I think would have been interesting you but then, know, but then have because, you know, directors react to their actors. The whole they? point is, is the fact that it's kind of going for the classic vibe. Phil and, and the... I both have our heads in the air. <laughs> just <laughs> waving we, our we disagree. Hands but th- you're saying that maybe that's just a lucky accident of production. We hear stories like that all the time. Maybe that they adapted true.
1: the film to fit the cast. I don't think La La Land would have got anywhere near as much attention as it has or the accolades and all that sort of stuff. If it had been kind of a gritty musical. I think it completely relies on being a sort of classic 1950s style version of a musical but in a modern era. The challenge of this is of course we will never know because it will never get made
0: so there we go. Uh, Interesting. As always lots of love from your most faithful fan the wise man from the east Confucius. Good to have you back Confucius. Thanks. Moving on to an email I'm quite looking forward to, Phil. you ready for this? Yes. Um, We've got one here from our parents have got in touch. Super
1: Bailey, Mum and Dad. Yeah.
0: Now, listeners, you'll know why I'm excited for this email because there's something in it that I could not have foreseen. So here we go. (laughs) Dear SBBs, we followed your advice and watched the new Ghost in the Shell first. Then watch the original 1995 anime movie Which I cannot believe <laughs> Listeners, if you knew my parents You know you, you, Why I, would, I would kind of wish I'd been a flyer of the wall As they watch this film and just They sort of... are not people who would typically enjoy anime films Is that fair to say, Phil? I think that is fair to say but Especially they, Ghost in the Shell That's quite an endorsement of your opinion, Laurie Well, apparently so I, I thought I preceded that Always saying it freaked me out Because there was exploding <laughs> brains And loads of nudity in it But anyway uh, we found that the plot of the live action was much easier to follow and, in our opinion, more coherent than the animation. In fact, without the live action one in mind, we're not sure we would have stuck through to the end of the original. How interesting. I guess that means I was kind of right in that if you're interested in this film, it's definitely worth watching the film first and the animation second.
1: Well, funnily enough, Laurie, I actually went to see Ghost in the Shell. I think I've told you this earlier in the podcast. I'm forgetting, okay. yeah, you did, I'm forgetting yeah, yeah, where Yeah, we are yeah, on yeah, the yeah, 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 keep it, um, keep it rolling. I, I kind of agree with what our parents say. I thought... Uh, I saw Scarlett Hansen's Ghost in the Shell before I saw the anime. I'd kind of had recollections of bits and pieces of I'd seen through through my life, but not really a coherent idea of what the story was. I actually really enjoyed Ghost in the Shell, and I kind of want to give you a minus one because I think actually uh, having seen the anime, I think the changes that they made in the Hollywood version actually benefit the film. I think having Michael Pitt play that character, kind of a uh, a personified version of a villain in that context of that film it actually really works and helps. And I thought he was my favorite idea of the film. Um, the thing which I really didn't like about the, the Hollywood film was Scarlett Hansen. I don't think she's well cast in the film. Interesting. And I'm not because of any of this whitewashing controversy or anything like that. I think she's physically not really right for the role. She's quite small and she doesn't really have this. You don't really believe that she is a designed human being. Because her face doesn't look very designed. I would have cast somebody like Natalie Portman or your favorite actress in the world, Blake Lively, perhaps. Possibly, I don't know. Uh, but like, right. as in, I think physically she didn't really have the presence needed for that character to be sort of this super tough android esque character who's designed by scientists. There's none of that in her performance, and also what was with scarlett Hansen's weird walk she kind of does this weird like turtle walk all the time <laughs> and i was like why are you doing that i hadn't noticed and that it, and all i could think was it was like um you know in extras when patrick stewart or somebody says something about acting and he's like acting i'm acting yes, yeah yeah yeah." Wizard, I, you shall not pass yeah Ian, like,
0: to Ian, to Ian, yeah
1: and i felt like scarlett Hansen was just very definitely look at me act i'm acting wow and it was just too much it's just it was wrong. I thought she was actively bad. Well, how interesting... I didn't think she was actively
0: bad. I just want to come back to you on this stuff. And sorry, listeners. They've got a lot more to say. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> it's okay, but no, but that's really interesting. One thing I didn't say in my review, and it might sound like I'm backpedalling, I promise I'm not, but, you know, what can I do with how people interpret it, is I didn't really talk about whether I liked the original Ghost in the Shell. What I did say was the ways that it has been changed and adapted for this new Hollywood movie. Right,
1: I, th- I got the impression that you did like the original Ghost I like some
0: things. The particular stuff I really love about the original is the design of it. I think I spent a long time talking about that scene where she walks around the city and how amazingly, immaculately realised the vision of the city is, which then got recreated in this modern one as well. Mm. The thing with the original anime is some of the dialogue is quite bad and they just openly... Blurt exposition there's a particular sequence on a boat where batu and the major are talking and they just say stuff to each other that no one would say so they can get onto the philosophical stuff in the film I think what I would say is that I don't dispute that the plot is more coherent at all I understand why they did it but I don't think it makes it a, a better film I, I think it makes it less interesting I think it's clearer easier to understand and appreciate but less interesting especially what you're saying about michael pitt's character because in particular listeners sorry about this we're going into a lot of detail here personifying him like that and limiting him like that is literally the opposite of what the character is doing in ghost in the shell the anime have you seen the anime recently yeah i saw it immediately after ghost in the shell Because you know that the whole point of that is this guy's a consciousness who moves from person to person to person and is not you know looking to limit themselves like that they're looking to evolve and expand and it's about consciousness and identity michael pitt's just a broken robot
1: i hear what you're saying i i liked his performance i thought it was an engaging visual and i liked his performance and relation and he does it was a
0: good job it's just simplified it's, i do yeah. agree
1: it's simplified but then i also thought i kind of agree with our parents in the sense that i think the anime is a bit difficult to it chew definitely on. Is it's that, too much. Yeah and this is a bit more swallowable Swallow- But i do
0: think it's I-
1: <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me correct that digestible
0: <laughs> that's definitely complete i'm not arguing with you on that i think the original is superior filmmaking but that doesn't necessarily mean i like it that much let me carry on with what they've said can i say one last thing
1: <laughs> and then we'll move on and this is a good everyone thing. out yeah? sorry i agree with you i think the film is stunning visually and i really like the production value i Isn't thought it, amazing? it was amazing fantastic I it's was a like, bit wow. mind-boggling
0: mind-boggling <laughs> uh, like I, I really was a bit taken aback by how good it looked it yes. really does look amazing right okay here we go having been uncertain they continue after some time uh, whether it was going to be our style at all we thought the opening sequences were very eye-catching and we quickly felt immersed in a world that seemed at the same time recognizable and totally futuristic some of the camera angles were refreshingly unexpected, e.g. we really liked the bird's eye view of the team raiding a building when usually the viewer would be placed right in the action. It was fascinating to see so many of the original scenes that had been copied shot for shot, and we think at least as good. And, you know, I agree with that. I think they did a brilliant job there. So we enjoyed a film and story, different from our natural taste, much more than we would have expected to. And what's more, we don't think we would have wanted to see it if we had seen the animation first, which is kind of what I wanted people, yeah, to do, um... So there we go. To disagree with Laurie, <laughs> we positively liked the wise older guy who suddenly
1: demonstrated his skills. That's beat Takeshi. Do
0: you know that bit? It's where they try and attack him in his car.
1: Yeah, I did think it was slightly out of place, but overall I liked the character. It's a good, it's a good
0: scene, but I I just think they didn't do quite connecting the dots stuff. Uh, thanks for an interesting review. You're welcome. We could see what you meant, even though we disagree on the basis of our viewing experience. From the Super Bailey parents, thanks for getting in touch. I cannot believe you watched an anime, but I'm almost proud of uh, convincing you to try it. I just wish I could have seen their reaction. Me too, man. Me too. Okay, moving on. We've got an email from The Natural. Thanks for getting back in touch, The Natural. Uh, There are several different distinct reasons for classing a film as a lifetime worst. And now this is to do with our rewards last week.
1: Yeah, we opened it up and we sort of said we're going to extend this one. It's a lifetime achievement award for being really, really bad. It's the
0: worst, most hated, not necessarily the worst, but the most hated, a very personal reaction. So what he's done is he's given us a few reasons why he hated a film, not being what you were led to believe. Black Swan he hated it because it wasn't what he thought it was going to be interesting okay and that's sort of a horrible psychological movie right where nothing to do with ballet if you think it's about ballet you're going to be in for a shot (laughs) Uh, walking out because of bad taste he's saying several but I can't remember the titles I can supply one Deadpool (laughs) Uh, sticking in your mind unhelpfully even though that's exactly what it aimed to do don't look now Oh,
1: yeah, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland's dad, Donald Sutherland. That's
0: right. That's a Daphne de Maurier story, I think, um, that got adapted. And that is considered one of the best made films of all time uh, to do its thematic content and cinematography. we just
1: building and building and building yeah, and building. Yeah,
0: that one moment towards the end. So that I guess he hates it because he just couldn't handle it. I think that's how you and I are afraid we'd react to horror movies, right? Yeah, I just there's some nasty ideas out there. Why would you want to add another one? There you go. Uh, being deeply disappointed in it, The Bourne Legacy he's hated that Ooh. that's the fourth one with jeremy renner right
1: yeah that was awful i really didn't like that film at all
0: there you go and i think it's the disappointment that makes it the most hated for him it's
1: sort of the tarnishing of the thing which you already enjoyed do you remember i was furious at that film because it it really undercuts the third film what's her name very, pamela landy yeah they absolutely ruin her character just so they can extend the franchise
0: i hear okay i've got a couple more here being grim dogville he says
1: Oh, yeah, I've heard about that film. My is that Orlando Blue My or media studies else? teacher loved that film. It's a very bizarre film where there's no real set dressing. It's just, instead of saying having a house, it says this is where a wall is, or this is a house. is that kind to of,
0: do with kind of manipulating people?
1: Uh, so a, it's about a woman a and, uh, in a village and she gets accused of something and, and it's all sort of nasty, very horrible ideas. We're well, really saying grim,
0: ideas. yeah, yeah, and it's just so unpleasant to dwell on. I can think of a few films like that. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: But it's one of those films which is so clearly trying to be literary and sort of like you were talking about literature you know books that discuss really horrible Are ideas I use
0: shock to, as a kind of device but it doesn't make it enjoyable uh, and that's how I felt a bit about L, isn't it which we still haven't included on the podcast yet.
1: yeah you recorded it but it just didn't seem <laughs> right <to laughs> no, not it yet. we
0: haven't, still haven't got that out yet okay and finally he says an irritating film that annoys me even when I think about it years
1: later is The Fountain <laughs> with Hugh Jackman <laughs> That's the one which is like uh, Darren Aronofsky, I think it is. I can't remember. I think it might be. And Darren Aronofsky is also the guy who did Black Swan. So maybe there's a bit of a directorial hate from The Natural. It's
0: possible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, He says it was overblown, pretentious, contrived, faux profound and dull. I love that (laughs) sentence. (laughs) Uh, There we go. So he reckons the criteria needs refining. I'm going to have to disagree with you there, The Natural, because everything you've just said is exactly what we want. We want people to tell us why they hate it. So what is the film you hate and why do you hate it? And you've given us great examples. So, so if you fit if, into
1: one of those categories, let us know. Yeah. And say which film you hate and why. There's four really good examples of reasons. I think there were even five though. maybe. Five I can't really I can't good examples. Uh, he says the rewards are very good, especially
0: The Plotted Plant. Uh, or the, yes, plotted plants. <laughs> it
1: was a great joke that was uh, really hard funny. to get out, as, was. as the bloopers proved.
0: Uh, but I missed rustling envelopes with the phrase and the winner is. Now, you were right there, The Natural. I actually originally, when cutting this together, had a little sample of some brass, like a stirring little riff with some applause that I played under the winner is bit. But Phil and I kind of stupidly, didn't really sort of make a moment of it so instead it just kind of had to get cut in and out and it sounded terrible so i just i just got rid
1: of it i like the little trumpeting did you like that yeah
0: that was good simple simple touch thank you very much and should we do one last
1: email phil yeah i love the emails keep them coming esther got in touch hi bros
0: i finally got round to writing up my thoughts on films i watched to and from my holiday in the u.s that's right we got a tweet from esther ages ago didn't we
1: Yes, she flew there, and then she was going to watch loads of films, and now she's telling us what what she thought. Here's it's little... kind of like Esther's What are We Watching. It's good, actually.
0: It's a little comprehensive list, but I'm excited to do it. Here we go. So here's a brief rundown of all my watches. Sorry, there's quite a few given the nine-hour flight time, and the fact my nephew didn't let me take a break from movies to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Okay, number one, Florence Foster Jenkins. Overall, I enjoyed this movie, although I did think without the excellent performances, it would have just been a bit average. I thought Meryl Streep was very sympathetic to the character and Hugh Grant's love and loyalty to Florence was very touching, although sort of unique, actually. If you've seen the film, you know what I mean. I thought his line, without loyalty, there is nothing, really summed up the feeling of the movie. And I really felt loyalty to Florence too almost shedding a tear with the pain towards the end. I'm not going to spoil it there, Esther, but that's nice to know that it worked. I also enjoyed the guy from the Big Bang Theory's enigmatic smile. What yeah, is his name? Me. We need to
1: give him a bit of a name check. You we we mentioned...
0: can't do this, Phil. It just proves that we, like, we don't know this stuff. I can't remember his name. He's. I'm normally pretty it?
1: good. You've got like a nice little computer, which tells you everything
0: you need to know. But I'm too busy... At all. <laughs> It's Simon Helberg. Remember the name. Simon well Helberg. Well done, Simon. <laughs> uh that's a great uh I I just well love that particular scene. Uh, where he's playing piano and for he's the reacting first time it. it's so good it's a, it's a real master. you loved it so much you still won't play it for me <laughs> I, t- I have played it for you no you, you I haven't thought. I did it maybe it was our other brother Sam last oh week right and the other brother in.
1: yeah cheers thanks bro <laughs> thanks for being memorable uh,
0: okay your name the anime film that you reviewed oh yeah interested yeah tell me what you thought I thought this was a fun movie but definitely not amazing the music sequences were odd for an English viewer and I thought it was a shame to lose the innocence of childhood as with other similar movies I've seen e.g. Miyazaki with the awkward teen body swap scenes Blech, she says yeah you that mentioned is,
1: that it is just slightly uncomfortable I think it's a Japanese thing and you do feel that slight, slight cultural barrier disconnect, understanding yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it is quite common in Japanese anime especially to have these sort of almost music videos and also the sort of playful sexuality I think
0: yeah, not comfortable with uh, for Western audiences at all. Uh, there were also, as the Blair says, there were also some really nice-looking fried eggs featured in this film. Yeah, anime
1: films are really good at doing uh, food. Have you we, never this. noticed Studio Ghibli
0: always do really nice-looking food? I do remember the festival at the beginning of Spirited Away. It looks particularly delicious.
1: And also the meal that uh, Sophie does for Howl in their castle. There's oh, those eggs. True. Oh, yeah, delicious. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep moving. The Accountant, I ultimately found this movie frustrating. Why
0: didn't it explain itself better? <laughs> what? Was what's going on what was the point it was also ruined by the thing at the end which was capital letters so dumb i'm not spoiling (laughs) that for anyone uh overall i feel like it had potential to be a good movie given the concept but it didn't really know what it was really about was it about autism or was it about the accountant or was it about mobsters it ended up feeling like it was kind of about nothing you think so that's what esther says I, I disagree. I liked it. And I, I slightly completely disagree with you about the ending. You which didn't I see it coming, did you? Not properly. And I think it put the seal on exactly what kind of movie it is. So I slightly disagree with you. Even there, Esther, I think the film knows exactly what it is, which is a screwball film taking a very offbeat character and placing him into a well-worn format and just having fun
1: with it. I, I really thought it was pretty good. I really love the scene where he's kind of with his friends who he does the shooting range with yeah and then he suddenly sort of has to defend them yeah I that's
0: fantastic that is brilliant and, and it's well acted isn't it the only thing with that film that really threw me and is just bad is the ridiculously long flashback sequence uh in the middle of it from jk simmons's character which is bonkers it almost <laughs> takes the crown off the one from crouching tiger hidden dragon which feels like you're watching a different film do you remember that <laughs> the one where she's like the, the in princess of the desert, in the desert it's like, she
1: what's suddenly this <laughs> so strange
0: <laughs> Uh, Okay, moving on. Hell or High Water. This was a good movie, but didn't blow me away. There were some lovely scenes, like the one where the brothers have a little play fight, but often I found it difficult to understand what they were saying due to the way they spoke. I also thought it had a slightly weak ending, and I wasn't really sure what the reason for the whole film was. I think it would have been helped by having a few scenes, maybe in flashbacks or something, with the mum or the wider family to give some context to the motivation for the robbery and that's you know in the plot of the film not a spoiler also i hadn't already seen jeff bridges as rooster cogburn and that's uh, true grit isn't it i probably would have thought he was excellent but given i have to me he was pretty much just doing the same thing and therefore lost its charm well i agree esther and he's done that in um
1: uh, ripd as well Maybe this is a perfect film then to do on that sort of agony aunt movie thingy. Oh, doctor's yeah. Doctor's surgery. As in, what was this film what saying? What was Helen Highwater saying? I think maybe if nobody else suggests anyone, we'll do it next week. We'll, well do a down. breakdown.
0: A, a question I cut from our review of Get Out last week uh, for time reasons. I asked Benedict what he thought Be- Get Out was really trying to say. So we've already got two stacked up there.
1: There you go. Two films to really get our teeth into.
0: Okay, two more. Don't worry, listeners. More's come after the storm. This was perhaps my favourite movie from the flight. A lovely, relatively simple Japanese film. Really great performances. Excellent characters focusing on the realities of family life and the weight of being somebody or trying to have an impact in some way, be it at work or at home. Just my cup of tea. Have you seen After the Storm?
1: No, I haven't heard anything. Neither have I.
0: It. Moving on. <laughs> Frozen. No, did not enjoy. Wow, is it, you only sing Frozen now, Esther. It probably wasn't helped by the fact I was watching this about 2am <laughs> instead of sleeping <laughs> and yeah. having my chair repeatedly kicked by my nephew. But I wasn't really enamoured of the songs. I thought it was quite dark, unlike other Disney movies, and elements of the plot were pretty dumb. The only positive was the snowman, and he didn't feature enough
1: controversial that is quite controversial but I'm I'm loving this uh, airplane review it's great I love airplanes especially long haul flights to America I've done quite a few in my life <laughs> and uh, I love watching movies and catching up with all the, the ones me you too man to yeah see. the it's sound quality
0: is always poor through those terrible headphones
1: you need to bring your own headphones that's yeah. the first thing I realised sometimes they don't
0: work though because they have the double jack
1: slots. Mm, don't you worry I've got, I've got the I'll, have you. I'll, I'll, I'll have help you, you out
0: <laughs> okay listeners we love that from Esther um, you know in future emails we might not read all of them out if you want to give us eight reviews or something but if you've got a little mini review of a film that you've seen uh, especially one that we've already watched we would love to hear that
1: yeah and we'd love we just love hearing opinions on films and we can disagree and agree and say oh yeah i thought this blah 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 it's what it's
0: all about and for what it's worth esther i do disagree with you on frozen i think it was laudable in lots of ways but i think the things that really dragged it down were disney's requirements to fit their new mold of existence where they've got to just do everything exactly right Uh, And I think Frozen felt a little bit constrained.
1: Did you hear, interestingly, originally uh, Elsa, the the one with the powers, the Frozen powers, she was going to be the villain. No, really. Yeah, and there's going to be a big thing about fighting her snowmen and things like that. That is quite a big
0: change right there. But that's a great example of
1: what I mean. So stuff gets changed to fit Disney's
0: requirements as a company and i even think the songs like the, the song with the trolls a bit of a fixer-upper oh it's a very odd song it's just it doesn't average need to be there it's not necessary and the trolls themselves are an odd plot device so i did like it overall i thought it was funny and interesting and, and a good move but not perfect okay maybe worth mentioning Esther says i also started girl on the train but never got in the right mood to finish it uh dnf anyway sorry about the length of the email also congrats to laurie on the new baby thanks very much we love the email Thanks, Esther. And that really is it.
1: Thank you so much, everyone who's been in touch. We love getting your emails. If you want to email in and have yours read out and slightly picked apart, but in a nice way, you can reach us at Super Bailey on Twitter and you can email us in superbaileyberries at gmail.com. Yeah, brilliant. Stay in touch.
0: Listeners, hope you enjoyed season 2 episode
1: 19 Super Belly Bros in Movie Land Phil, you're standing up I'm standing up because where I was sitting there was literally, The sun was blazing into my brain Yeah, and, and i are not very move. well today so. No, I, I've been feeling slightly off of it Off my game, which is uh, maybe not the best thing Well, there we go I couldn't tell I'm sure our listeners couldn't <laughs> I, I don't know whether that's they, positive or negative no comment bet they <laughs> I bet
0: they could Listeners, let us know your thoughts on any of our movie reviews That's The Boss Baby, Free Free Fire, City of Tiny Lights and our What We've Been Watching reviews two weeks notice and I wish you can get in touch on SuperBellybros at gmail.com or at superbabybros on Twitter and don't forget we want to hear your movie problems is there a film you didn't understand? do you have a lingering question about something in a film? email the film doctors or whatever uh, at at gmail.com and we'll do our first of Phil's sort of movie agony aunt series
1: yeah we can't decide with agony aunt or doctors we'll we'll try and figure it out it's kind of
0: whatever works
1: production wise at the time quickly <laughs> and easily enough also let us know if you've re-watched a film since seeing it in the cinema and you thought hang on a second
0: is this really the film I saw
1: yeah we should do that we
0: should bring that in every now and again alongside a couple of other ideas that I've got uh, bubbling away but listeners have a really great week we're enjoying being back hope it's sunny wherever you are and we will see
1: you again next week bye bye ta-ta for now bye Uh, Laurie, have you ever written a love letter?
0: I have. Phil, I can't get over that you're standing hunched over. It's it's what's needed right now. Right. I have written a love letter. I'm not very happy to have written a love letter. Did it not end well? No. I wish I had never embarked upon that endeavour. It was, you know, it was a mistaken premise in the first place, it was after things hadn't gone well. Oh, Can that's I, always a mistake. No, no, no. I know, no. I know.
1: No, I, the only reason I ask is because I was doing one this week. Uh, the lady in my life is uh, far away. So, uh, you know, you've got to keep the, the romance going. So I thought, keep love flame burning. Exactly. And the thing is, though, it's so hard. I, didn't know, I thought I was quite good at the old romance stuff. Not at all. I think really, it's the, really tough. <laughs> the age of texts and phone calls, even
0: have slightly made love letters kind of a different
1: thing. Well, exactly. I've been texting her the whole time she's been away. So yeah. it's not like... it's What not more like, have you got to say? I've got nothing to update her on. I've did like,
0: you do a poem?
1: Uh, yep, I wrote You a did. Poem. <laughs> of course <laughs> This is, is what I did. I decided I'd do a parody of a love letter. And uh, so I tried to do it. I tried to ham it up a bit and went mm. way overboard that's but even nice. then, I felt, like, I felt like it was too much. So, I mean, even though me, I tried to do too much. Talking about it
0: now on a show that she may very well hear. She's not going to listen. <laughs> she How do you, know that? How she'll do you fall, know that? She'll fall asleep
1: before she gets there. She's <laughs> yeah for 100%.
0: Hmm, interesting. Well, listeners, I'm sure you've written love letters in your time. I, I just think they're cringy. They're the worst thing to read back. Even cards that I've written my beautiful wife, Judith, over the years, if I've reread them, I sort of, I can't quite handle... What's written? There? It's almost like you. It's, it doesn't feel real, like even though you you feel. You mean the it things, at the time. You yeah. expose your heart, like uh, General Grievous in <laughs> Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> open to being burned alive. You know what I'm saying. I know what you said. And it's just, uh, it's too painful to relive even a sweet sort of happy memory.
1: But then I thought, could I cheat, you know? Could I use the the love letter from A Knight's Tale, you know? That's good. And I thought, could I get away with this? Cause well, even the method or the actual love letter? Just the whole, just use literally those words and okay. see if I could do Cause that. Because that is itself a
0: plagiarised love letter that he goes round to his friends to recreate. exactly,
1: and I thought, well, if he's boring it, and it worked mm. well so well with Jocelyn. Jocelyn, maybe the hardest
0: lady to catch. And the thing
1: is, is I tried to watch Night's Tale with this lady, and she she wasn't a fan. <laughs> did she not like she it? She didn't like it. So I don't think anyone could. Not we like didn't even that get film. to that point. So, oh, so maybe dear. I was in the clear. What
0: did she not like about it? I just don't think she got grasped by the concept. Mm, imagine that. You know, I am Heath Ledger is coming out soon.
1: Are you aware of this? The documentary, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about it. I'm Are you excited about that. Um, it depends really. Either you get kind of a really harsh view and it's sort of all warts bad or it's you get kind of a that. sappy sort it's of... It's going to be the sappy one. idealized version of a man, which means that I don't know. I don't know if it's really going to do the job. I think it's going to make me sad
0: because he looked like a talent and a happy one. But anyway, enough said. Love letters. What are you
1: going to do? Thank you. <laughs> Let me do that again.